0: The practices in life that if habits that over time you become a different person who's just not a very anxious person. And by that, I mean, habits like this, like when you start worrying about something like what's happening in Yemen right now, like capture that thought, become aware of it, and then speak truth to yourself. Like I can't control that. It doesn't help me to worry about it. I need to focus on who's in front of me. Look how beautiful the world is. This is not naivete, by the way. This is actually normal human life. Just observe what's around me and be thankful for it because that gratitude will chase away your anxiety.
1: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. How can we possibly be hopeful, optimistic even in times like these? How in the world can we hear and see all the pain that's going on around us and be joyful? Renowned author Brant Hansen provides insights for a more serene and joyful life in this discussion on his latest book, Life is Hard. God is good, let's dance. In today's bonus episode, Brant examines the impact of media and negativity, the importance of forgiveness and gratitude, and the role of habits in shaping our lives. For those that are new around here, I release bonus episodes that serve a niche part of my audience. I have listeners of all faith backgrounds that listen to the podcast. And this episode is coming from a Christian perspective. So if that's something that doesn't fit what you're looking for, check out the other episode that dropped this week with Maggie Dennis about strategies for decluttering or join me back here next Tuesday for a conversation that you don't want to miss. With bonus episodes, I typically don't share a minimalist resource or moment, though I will take some time to encourage you to leave a rating and review of the podcast if you've been enjoying it. It allows for other people to find the podcast, which in turn will allow me to continue to bring amazing authors, creators, doctors, researchers, all the guests that I continue to bring to you. And with that, let's get into this conversation with Brant Hansen. Brant, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm honored.
1: I'm happy to have you here. And also, your name is very unique. I love your name. I have a cousin named Grant, so Brant, it's just a unique name I haven't heard.
0: That's cool. I just did an interview, and the lady was gushing about what a big fan she was, and she called me Brad the whole time.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> I thought
0: it was hilarious. So, like, that's great. I love it.
1: That's funny. No offense to all the Brad's listening, but I do like your name. That's not why I have you here today though. I have you here today because you have written a new book and we're going to talk about it today. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and then we'll get into the content.
0: Sure. My name is Brant. Hello. I'm married. I've been married 33 years now. My son's 30. My daughter's 27. I was going to say we homeschooled them, but that's not quite accurate. <laughs> We live in South Florida, and I do radio, and I write some books and stuff.
1: And today, we are going to be talking about your new book. Why don't I have you introduce the book?
0: It's called Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. That's the name of the book.
1: Again, you are coming from a Christian perspective in this book, but I think what I like about it is that it's so applicable to really any of my listeners. So we're going to dive into a conversation today about reminding ourselves of true things, the beauty in life, not always allowing pessimism, and the negativity that I feel like the Media just rides that wave, it can be really distracting from the good things in life. So, we're going to talk a lot about that today.
0: Yeah, that's really important because it is applicable to everybody. And you're right about the media. Like, they have learned, and we know this, like, they know that fear and anger sells, like, it gets clicks. And we know it travels better on. They did a study, it was some University of British Columbia study, it doesn't really matter, but they studied anger and fear on Twitter back when it was Twitter and how much quicker it traveled than saying something positive. Like, if you say anything that's actually positive, it's somebody be like, oh, that's sweet, but they're not going to repost it. Like, only stuff that's like, no, did you hear about this? This is terrible. Bam. So, we're up against that. If you want to have any peace in life whatsoever, you can't do it if you're going to be constantly, that's where you live. You're not going to be at peace. It's not possible.
1: Well, and I think this is so important for moms and dads too. But I think if there's moms listening that are the ones in the household day in and day out with their kiddos, their stay-at-home moms, and the first thing we're doing every morning is reaching towards our device that immediately raises our cortisol. I mean, it does carry throughout our day and into our parenting.
0: It absolutely does. And that's not who you want to be. That's one of the things I talk about in the book is like a lot of it's our habits What you pay attention to is determining who you are becoming. That's a fact. And you have to think now, Think about older people, too. Like there's people that you'll meet. They're maybe 80 years old, some lady, and she's able to listen. She hears you. She puts you at ease. She says, honey, it's going to be okay." There's that person. And then there's the same age person that's at the grocery store hitting you with a grocery cart. And they're angry about everything. It's like you become one or the other. Your trajectory, though, you set with your daily habits. But you're determining right now who you're going to be when you're older. And you're going to be one of those things. And it's based on what you're paying attention to now.
1: Absolutely. So your kids are a little bit older. And I'm curious what this looked like with your parenting and how you chose to or maybe you didn't choose to. How did you choose to stay positive when you were in the midst of raising young kids into their teenage years? Because again, we talked about that correlation of the anger that carries and weaves its way through the day. So how did you navigate that?
0: So this is where I'm coming at it from a Christian perspective. I'm not into a lot of the religious stuff that makes no sense. Honestly, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't connect to me or doesn't add up. That said, the actual doing the stuff that Jesus said to do actually leads to peace. And so that's been a practice in our homes. Like that includes things like this, forgiving people radically, not carrying anger around like getting rid of it before the sun goes down, praying for your enemies. This is genius stuff. This is a genius way to live. And psychologists know this too, Or all the biblical stuff about giving thanks chases away anxiety. It's not only biblical, modern psychologists know this, they'll always talk about gratitude as a way to get out of anxiety because you can't possibly be terribly grateful at the same time and terribly anxious. It's one or the other. I mean, you choose that. So that was a big part of our household was this house is going to be lighthearted, we are going to laugh about stuff. We are going to forgive our enemies. We're going to love our neighbors. And that focus is actually really healthy. And I think my wife and I are childlike in some ways, not childish, but the childlikeness that comes with simplicity, where you have the lightness of heart. Kids laugh a lot more than adults, like 11 times more. But I love the fact that when you live a life that's humble, you can laugh at yourself narcissists can't laugh at themselves, but a humble person, you can laugh at yourself all day long. So I've got one cringy, embarrassing story after another in this book, just to illustrate the dumb stuff that I've done. But to me, it's funny, even in the moment, like this is a moment, but it's going to be a good story. So our kids were used to that point of view. And also I would as a dad, even though I, she did all the work with the education, but at night, that's when I took over and put them to bed and I would pray with them. I'm not the best prayer, but it's just simple things where we would trust God. But that ends the day with this. Things are good. We're going to be all right. There's something beautiful about
1: that. One of my best friends, she's not a Christian, and I have tried to witness to her or just explain to her some of the beliefs of living a biblical lifestyle and following Jesus are these are just good things to apply in life. Like A lot of these things you actually already believe, we're just giving it a name of Christianity. But also, you were talking about being childlike, and there is a humility in that. And you were talking about how narcissists can't laugh at themselves. And I think when we humble ourselves and then we notice like, oh, hey, we can laugh at ourselves because we're all just human. It even's the playing field where we don't have to get embarrassed and we can just be we're not peers of our children but it's just like we're all human and we can just laugh and have a good time.
0: You're going to make mistakes and who are you trying to impress anyway? There's so much perspective that comes with that. The other thing too, you mentioned something about like the cortisol spike early in the morning. This is what's really interesting. If you read like there's a primate neuroendocrinologist at Stanford named Robert Sapolsky. He's absolutely brilliant. But he wrote a book And he's not coming at this from a religious perspective at all. He's awesome. But he wrote a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Well, his thesis is really good. He's talking about why animals don't get ulcers. Like what is it about humans? And he talks about, so there's threat that causes a fight or flight response in us. So our cortisol spikes, our adrenaline spikes, we get a blood pressure hit, there's insulin changes, like all these different things that happen to your body and it's all to get away from threat. So a zebra may be chased by a lion and all that stuff happens to make the zebra faster to get away. If it doesn't get away, it's all over. If it does get away, it's all over. You don't keep that reaction in your body 24 seven. Only humans can do that. And he said, we're remarkable because we can even borrow threats that haven't even happened from next week. Something my boss might say, some election result that might happen. And then they might like where all this stuff's in your body. He's like, you know what? It'll kill you or it will kill you. So you're better off. His conclusion coming at it from an atheist standpoint, his conclusion was, you know what? We're better off just not worrying about tomorrow, because what good does that do to worry about tomorrow? It doesn't add a day to your life. It'll kill you. It makes you look older, by the way. It makes you gain weight, worry, anxiety. I do find that interesting, whether somebody's religious or not. Jesus is saying, be like the animals. They don't need to worry. You're going to be fine. Like, be like them. It's really genius and brilliant to people, like ancient people, to understand that. Like, hey, look, the animals don't do that. They're going to be healthier as a result. You don't need to imagine threats that'll like destroy your body physiologically. It's not good for you. It doesn't help you. Worry is just a form of control anyway. It doesn't help anything. This is a healthier way to live all the way around.
1: Well, and with cortisol, that hormone of cortisol, I think it's the leading cause of cancer. The inflammation of always having a cortisol buildup in our system, it's something that we really should address because long-term, I mean, you've already named some of the effects of it, but it's just really not good to have that hormone regularly in our bodies.
0: Yep. Living at peace is really a good idea.
1: Absolutely. So again, one of the reasons that I did want to have you here, you did talk about like election results. It's an election year. There's talk of war, social media, like all of this stuff is just so, it can be so overwhelming if we choose to focus on it. So I guess for you, how do you not focus on it? What does your day look like? And share about your wife's day as well.
0: Okay. So our perspective on this is I'm going to try to be faithful with whatever crosses my path today. Same thing with my wife. I don't have a big plan. And I tried to make the book funny, but like that's going to be the eye of the beholder. But I tell a lot of stories about my career and things that have happened. I didn't have a big plan for my career. I still don't. And it's kind of like I'm just ambling through like Forrest Gump, just kind of bouncing from one thing to the next. But it's really fun. I didn't plan it. I just do the thing today. And then I see long term what happens. I mean, that's coming out of my faith, too, where I'm just like, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I can't control it. My wife has the same perspective. So I think a lot of people are very stressed out because they have this big plan and they got to make it happen. Meantime, life is happening right in front of you. That child, that person, that simple thing that we could do together, that little song we could sing or that walk we could take. Like you want to miss out on that? I don't. I'm just going to do today's thing. And the interesting thing has has been my lack of plan has been successful. It's kind of (laughs) weird, but we've been fine the whole way. So that's been our approach. It's very childlike and it's not very trendy, but I tell you what, it's a lot more fun.
1: With kids, it is easier said than done because we're looking to their future and I'm at peace with death, so I'm ready to go when it ever is my time. But you want this future for your children. It's just easier said than done. And I think that For me, when I start to get overwhelmed by the news or the way that the world is going, I just think of what is in my control and what is in my control is the way that I behave with my children in my household to give them the best situation that they possibly can have here because I can't control the outside world. So that does give me a little bit of peace to say, well, all I can control is this and I can't control tomorrow, but this is what I can do my best at.
0: Right. Okay. So. The stuff on the news, how much of that do you control? If you're like, I have to know what's going on. I have to be informed. Like you actually, you don't, you actually don't. And if something big's going on, you'll hear about it. So it's weird that we opt into that. We think this is what it means to be important. Like I have to know this stuff. That's one thing. The other point I want to make easier said than done. It gets easier though, because if you practice certain things in life, just like any sports practice, you shoot free throws in a dark gym, 3000 free throws. You do that so it becomes second nature in the moment. So when you're under pressure, it's just second nature. So there are practices in life that if it habits that over time you become a different person who's just not a very anxious person. And by that, I mean habits like this. When you start worrying about something, what's happening in Yemen right now? Capture that thought, become aware of it, and then speak truth to yourself like, I can't control that. It doesn't help me to worry about it. I need to focus on who's in front of me. Look how beautiful the world is. This is not naivete, by the way. This is actual normal human life. Just observe what's around me and be thankful for it because that gratitude will chase away your anxiety. So you capture the thought. This is a biblical idea, but it's also mental health squared now. They know that you speak to these emotions. You can speak truth to yourself in this way. You're speaking to yourself. You're not being schizophrenic. What you're doing is you're talking and saying the truth. I don't need to be worried about that. Things are good. That hasn't happened yet. I'm just imagining it. I don't know what this person's thinking. So you're speaking truth to yourself just like just like in the Bible where David's like, "Why are you so downcast, my soul?" He's like talking to himself. So that's just being mentally healthy, recognizing my emotions may lead me this direction, but they're not true and I need to consciously bring that to mind.
1: Yeah, talking yourself through it. So you mentioned Yemen and you made me think about the stuff going on over in Israel and Gaza, all of that mess right now. And We can see that, or we can see Syria, or we can see poverty all around the world, homeless. Like we can just take on all this stuff. And then for people that are incredibly empathic, they take that on themselves and then they have this depression because of it. But I truly think we are the first generation that has the access to all the horrible things. It's not that horrible things haven't been happening, it's just that we didn't bear the burden and the load of knowing all of them. And personally, for me, to me, I'm like, well, only God was supposed to ever know that that was going on. But I think that that's also something that we have to remind ourselves of like, we're bearing the weight of all of this heaviness and it's too much for one person. It's
0: way too much. We're not made for that. You have your life. No one in the world has the same context that you have with those kids, this house, those neighbors, that boss, this sister, that no one else in the world, but you. And so if your thing is, I'm really mad about this other thing, like, but we're losing you and we need you we need you at your best. You're a beautiful thing. Like that needs to happen. You're being overwhelmed. We're losing you. So that's a very good point. I think it drives a lot of anxiety is that need to bear the weight of the world. One thing I do talk about in the book, which I hope is good. I work with this hospital network that's across Africa. It's also in the Philippines. It's neurosurgical and orthopedic surgical hospitals. Now these are Christian hospitals. The reason I associate myself with this is because this looks like Jesus to me, unlike a lot of Jesus business. So what they do is they heal kids' top-notch surgeries for free. These are kids with correctable disabilities. We do about 20,000-plus surgeries a year. So these are kids that can get up and walk. They're 15 years old, haven't been able to walk before. They're 12. They've been made fun of and rejected you know, their whole lives. It's a little girl that has some sort of, sort of disfigurement. And we're able to say, no, 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 sweetie. You're beautiful. God loves you, and we're going to heal you. And we're able to tell the moms they're blamed if their child has a disability. There's guilt trips for moms in the U.S., but in traditional cultures, it's intense. We're able to say it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Your child's precious. But I mention these stories because those aren't on the news. So if you're empathetic and you feel things deeply, like well, feel that deeply, like there are people actually doing things that are beautiful. And in Christian terms, it's called God's kingdom breaking through. Like it's beautiful. There's great stuff happening, but I'm not going to report on that because that doesn't make you mad or doesn't make you fearful.
1: Yeah. Angry, though, that you're talking about. We share the things we're angry about.
0: Not only are you absorbing lots of information, you're absorbing a certain kind of information from around the world. Only the worst things. That is not a healthy way to live. You're missing out on good stuff. They're not going to bring this to you. I get to see it. So I told a lot of these stories because they're so sweet. They're, it's ridic- I get to go to these hospitals all the time. It's the sweetest thing, but it's neat for me to be able to see that.
1: You will have to share that with me if there's any way that people listening could get involved with that. I'll put a link in the show notes for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll just say it right now because it's so easy. It's cure.org. I mean, it's remarkable. So my son now, I'm very proud of him, but he's at med school. I would take him to these hospitals when he was like in high school, and now he's planning to be a neurosurgeon for cure because he sees how beautiful this work is. He was in the military, but he was like, I want to be that."
1: So now he's doing that. Yeah, that's really awesome. So I want to talk just a little bit more about you. And I guess you've talked about your message and wanting to get this out to the world, just encouraging people, especially this year as things are shifting. But I guess what is a final word of encouragement you want to leave with listeners from reading your book and just encouragement for the day?
0: You can do this. Your habits can change. And it's so much of who we're becoming is based on what we pay attention to. So that's just a matter of changing it to habits. Where is my attention going? Is it something that's life-giving? Is it something beautiful? You only get one shot at life on this planet in this form. Like, this is it. Do you want it to be a consumer of news and information? Or do you want it to be something more beautiful than that? Or you become a source of life for the people around you? You can. You can't. You focus on what's true and beautiful and noble and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Like that'll make you the you that we all need and your kids need and the people around you need. And we'll all benefit from that.
1: Yeah. I think about how much time is just wasted scrolling, doom scrolling on our phones. And if you had one week left to live, it's like, I probably would never look at my phone again. Like if I knew I had one week, 24 hours a day, seven days, I would probably lose it.
0: <laughs> you know, that's stupid. I'll say this being a parent at this point, we got married really young. And so I got to move through that when I was young, I started, like that went so flipping fast.
1: It does go fast.
0: And people, they downplay parenting a lot. Like I remember when we were getting ready to have a kid, people were like, oh, you just wait. Well, you'll never get any sleep after this. And then you have a baby and they're like, yeah, you just wait. When they start talking and smarting off. And I'm like, no, I like my toddlers now. No, you just wait. They'll get older and then they'll do this. Like, well, I like my teenagers. Well, you just wait. Then they're going to like, no. One thing they said at the end was, you just wait. You're going to miss them. I'm like, you're finally right. You're finally right. It goes like that. You get this one shot. And for you to be like, what's going on? Come on. You don't want that. Nobody wants that.
1: Such a distraction. Sometimes it is like kind of a nice distraction. Like if you're just enjoying like laughing at something on the internet, but I think we have to really put strict boundaries around it. And for me, I don't watch a lot of TV. So that scrolling time is my TV time, but it probably would be more beneficial to watch something than versus these little hits of dopamine on my phone.
0: Yeah. And just curate it. I'm on Instagram. Most of my follows are cartoons, like the New Yorker cartoons.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: <laughs> you know, it's a different experience than being like, I have to know everything that's happening. Like, no, oh, come on, we can't handle
1: that. I quickly want to ask you I'm curious, did you ever not feel this way? Have you ever had a point in life where you've been anxious and you feel like you were doing the opposite of what you talk about in this book?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I had this point where. In my career, so I'm in media, there was a time when I was like, okay, I want to get this job. And then why did that guy get that job? And why do I need to move up to this? And it's so stupid. And I realized that like, I don't want to be... I may have been 30 at the time, but I was like, am I going to be one of those needy guys who's middle-aged and still wants to feel significant? It's still all about him. We got enough of that. And so... I asked God, I was like, kill that, Emmy, please, because that's so stupid. And it's been a process, but I have gotten better. And it makes life a lot more fun because you take stuff so much less seriously. And it's been a growing thing, but it's worked. Life is better than it was. It's way better than that because you're always concerned about what everybody thinks about you all the time. Like, it's a terrible way to live.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's our ego and it does hurt. And I think it's okay to notice it. But I think what we do with noticing is how we can more healthily move through those emotions.
0: Yeah. And you're becoming something. Remember, you're becoming a different person. One way or the other, you're being formed. Even as an adult, you're still being formed. So if you're like, I want to become the sort of person who's not egocentric and needy. Well, that's a change over time, but it's based on what I'm paying attention to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brant, where can listeners connect with you online? Where can they grab a copy of this new book?
0: BrantHanson.com. It's H-A-N-S-E-N, by the way. So B-R-A-N-T-H-A-N-S-E-N.com. The books are at Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all that sort of stuff, too. You might get a kick out of them.
1: Well, as we wrap up this conversation, I didn't prompt you for this, but I asked my guests two questions at the end. These are just rapid fire. The first one is, what's been a beneficial resource in your life that you want to share with the listeners?
0: Well, I just read a book called The Weirdest People in the World. It's an anthropology book. Oh. My Westerners are so different from everybody else. It's fascinating. Brilliant. Okay. I've been going through that.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. I'm very interested in that type of why we do the things that we do. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, my last question, and then I'll let you go is what is something that you can't stop talking about?
0: I have a problem because I have really deep interests that not everybody cares about. Like I'm way into World War I.
1: Okay. Usually people say World War II.
0: Exactly. So I can go on and on about that. It usually clears the room after a while. Everybody finds a way to find something else to do after I start talking about it. Also Lord of the Rings.
1: The books or the movies?
0: The books, preferably.
1: That's awesome. Well, Brant, it was great getting to know you. I highly recommend your book. I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes. And thanks for joining me today. Thanks for what you do. Appreciate it. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation.